Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. When everything hopefully goes back to normal sometime soon, I'll just kind of have capitalized on this market, as well as have the restaurants. So... I'm really just amping up production because of that fact, you know, I'm hoping to just have both of these markets um, together. That was Nicholas Coliotti, the man behind Dean's Greens in North Carolina. So Dean's Greens is a small scale farm, which is focused on providing produce for restaurants and for consumers. And you know, COVID-19 is happening right now. It's still July 2020, and everybody is impacted by it differently, and everybody is kind of combating it differently and trying to adapt. Well, Nick has taken full advantage of this situation that he's found his business in, and instead of only supplying fresh produce to restaurants, he has also started to provide produce boxes for consumers and delivering it straight to their doors. So he found a niche and he's going at it, which is pretty fantastic. So in our interview today, Nick is going to talk to us about his operation, Dean's Greens, how he got started with it, what his production system looks like on a smaller scale farm, and he does it in a sustainable and regenerative farming practice, and he's going to talk to us about how that is really all about biology and soil health. So this is episode 64 with Nick from Dean's Greens, and you know by now, this is the Farm Traveler Podcast, and I'm your host, Trevor Williams. Hope you're all staying safe during COVID. Hope you enjoy this episode, and on with the show. All right, well, Nicholas Coliotti, welcome to the Farm Traveler Podcast. How are you doing? Good. Glad to be talking with you. Yeah, glad to have you on, man. So you are with Dean's Greens. Tell us, yes. or, so tell us all about it, kind of your background and how you got started with it. My background is actually in food and beverage. Uh, I went to school for hospitality, 
my family, we have owned a wedding venue for pretty much my whole life. So I've just grown up doing events and cooking and, and stuff like that. And uh, I started the farm about a year and a half ago. Um, I was Before that, I was doing restaurant managing and stuff like that. And uh, living in Wilmington, North Carolina, here at the coast. And a few of my friends there work on organic farms. And the restaurant that I was working at, I was just buying their produce and um, just kind of helping out on their farm just to kind of see if I liked it or not. And then I was just tired of working nights and weekends and doing the restaurant life. So I moved back here to Raleigh, um, the Raleigh area in North Carolina, and started my farm. So that's Dean's Greens. I pretty much started just with microgreens uh, the first couple months because um, I started in September of 2018. So I just started with the microgreens and kind of reached out to different restaurants around Raleigh. And then spring of last year is when I started uh, the market garden. So pretty much just the field stuff and um, getting into mature produce rather than just the microgreens. And then, after, you know, as last year has progressed, I've just been growing and growing with uh, restaurant demand and direct to consumer demand. And uh, yeah, just growing as time is going. Before I forget, do you know Josh Satin at all? Because he he's also in North Carolina. We had him on the show about a year ago. Okay, yeah, I've talked with him a few times, um, just on Instagram. We've never connected in person. He's a pretty busy guy, but yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, no, he's he's a good guy though. That's awesome. So tell us about kind of your production method. So you said you grow microgreens. So what's that whole production process look like? Um, I have a nursery area that I do the microgreens with. So uh, they're all using grow lights and uh, grow racks, kind of the traditional microgreen setup. So I probably have, I think, 10 racks of microgreens. Um, right now with all the restaurants, it's kind of not to capacity um, with the restaurants being not really running as they were before. So the past month really has been uh, a crazy transition going from pretty much all restaurant sales to within a week taking all that same produce to produce box deliveries straight to con uh, the consumer um, but the microgreens really uh, it's not too hard of a setup it's just racks and grow lights and um, 10 20 trays and uh, I actually sell all of my microgreens in the living flat so I don't ever really harvest them to sell to restaurants or to the consumer. I usually just sell them still alive. So that's kind of a unique thing. Not too many people do that with the microgreens. Yeah, I haven't heard that before. I mean, does it kind of keep it fresher longer for the chefs or wherever you sell it to? Yeah, the chefs really like it. Um, I, so I have the big 1020 tray. And then within that tray, I use five by five cells so there's eight five by five cells in a 1020 and uh for the chefs they can kind of mix and match varieties within that tray or they can just get a tray of the same variety of microgreens and then you know each night of service for dinner they just kind of cut what they need and uh just go from there and, and they just stay a lot fresher longer so that's kind of helped me 
retain customers. Cause at first when I started doing the microgreens, uh, I tried doing the, uh, you know, just harvesting and selling them like that. And it really, uh, the quality was just not there. So a lot of people, I just kind of relayed off the feedback that chefs were giving me. And I, I just really stuck with the, the living trays. And then it helps me. It just saves on labor. I don't really have to waste time harvesting. I just grow it and sell it right in the thing that I was growing it in. Yeah, that kind of saves you a spot. That's a pretty, or um, saves you some tasks. That's a pretty good idea. So this new season two of the podcast, we're trying to dive a little bit more into like conventional versus organic, kind of not not really making one method look better than the other, but kind of learning about it. So where does where does your microgreen um, operation fall into? Is it organic? Is it conventional? What are your thoughts on it? Got you. Yeah, so my microgreens and the market garden, everything that I'm really doing is no sprays, no pesticides, nothing like that. Really just trying to use soil biology and biology in ways that will combat pest and just different things that come up while gardening. So with the microgreens, they're growing in a pretty controlled environment. So I really don't have any pest pressure. Um, all my soil is, you know, organic soil that I use for the microgreens, um, regular well water that's watering them. So really there's no contamination or anything like that with the microgreens and with the market garden. Um, I just add a lot of compost each time I bed flip and, you know, I use a lot of insect netting, um, this time of the year, um, especially like for my radish greens, just for example, they get a lot of flea beetle pressure on the greens. So I use insect row covers that help out a lot with that to keep the greens looking nice and healthy. So it kind of seems really cool that you're trying to do kind of like a bi biological approach with it. Have you done like um, like natural predators, like using ladybugs to take aphids out? Or what kind of pests attack the microgreens or even your market garden? The microgreens, nothing really too much. You may have some gnats or some like fruit flies just from maybe oversaturation of a tray or something like that. And then it's just kind of a pain to get them out of the nursery area. And then in the market garden itself, uh, if it's wet, you may have slugs in the lettuce or like I said, the flea beetles um, just kind of attacking the greens and putting those little holes in it. Um, so that's more of like an aesthetic thing. It's not really necessary, but it just makes the greens look nicer. So uh, I haven't really used any ladybugs or anything. Uh, this year, I just got two farmer's friend caterpillar tunnels. So right now, one tunnel is full of tomatoes and the other is cucumbers, eggplants, hemp, and some nursery stuff. So I'm probably going to have to use some kind of ladybugs here soon um, using the greenhouse growing. There's always going to be some kind of something going on in there. So Yeah, I can imagine. That's a good idea. Yeah. When I was teaching high school ag, we had a greenhouse and I was like, you know what, let's buy some some ladybugs and I didn't know that they come in frozen packages and then you let them thaw out. Well, I left the vent to the greenhouse open and I came back the next day and like all the ladybugs flew out. I was like, no, oh. <laughs> but we got them again and they worked pretty well. So it's, it's a really cool like biocontrol thing that you can kind of do using the ladybugs instead of sprays and stuff like that. Right. Exactly. Exactly. That's kind of my approach, you know, is if you have to wear gloves or you have to, 
be cautious with the things that you're using. I don't know if that's really the best thing that you want to be consuming. You know, it's all a, a chain of the process. So if you're doing something from the start of the seed that you wouldn't want on your plate, you probably shouldn't be doing that in, in your growing process. Yeah, no, that's a really good point. I like that. So let's talk a little bit about kind of COVID-19 and its impact on you. So it's, I guess it's been going on like a month now and we've seen stuff where farms are having to throw away produce because there's not, there's no demand for it or what they intend to go to restaurants is now they're trying to either figure out how to send it directly to consumers or supermarkets or it's going away. So how has it impact, impacted you guys? And then how have you kind of also adapted to it? Yeah, so about a month ago, I did my last drop off to my restaurants on a Wednesday and they told me, you know, it's for real happening. We're not going to be open or, you know, very limited opening for the next month. So within a handful of days, I pretty much just had a market on social media that I'm going to do produce box deliveries of, you know, the eggs that I have, microgreens, lettuce mix, and just the stuff that I was going to take to the restaurants. I really just had to redirect direct to consumer. And I'm not glad that any of this uh, COVID-19 stuff has happened, but it really helped me expand into that market because I think a lot of us small farmers were so focused on the restaurants and getting such a, you know, a really good price point with them. And, you know, I was only doing four or five drops on a delivery day. And now I'm doing like 25 drops you know, because I could do four restaurants and make the same money that I would dropping off to 25 different homes. And, you know, I could do some farm pickups, but I live kind of outside of Raleigh. There's a few people in my small town that would come to the farm to pick up, but a lot of the people are, um, one, they're stuck at home, so they're just going to be at home. And two, it's just harder for them to drive up and then go back home. So I've kind of just made it so that I'm going to just do a bunch of deliveries like that. So yeah, it's, it's really just the business model has switched up a lot. And when everything hopefully goes back to normal sometime soon, I'll just kind of have capitalized on this market as well as have the restaurants. So I'm really just amping up production because of that fact you know i'm hoping to just have both of these markets um together when everything opens back up yeah i don't blame you what's the response been from consumers that are buying those pro those produce boxes i mean are they finding it super convenient what are they thinking about it yeah so just example yesterday was radish bunch uh a couple different types of microgreens a big bag of lettuce and a dozen eggs for 25 dollars delivered so it's really not too bad. It's a better deal than if you had come to me at the farmer's market and bought for me. Um, so I, re I just really wanted to make it uh, affordable and easy for people to um, try it. And then as these weeks of spring roll on, I have other produce that's going to be available that'll be rotated into the box. And I have different herbs that I'm adding on as well as extra dozens eggs can be added on. Um, you know, I don't even have an online store for my website because I never thought about having to do this. So a lot of this is just through Facebook and Instagram and texting back and forth. 
just to try to get everything coordinated each week. But the response from the local community has been really positive. And, you know, I think with all this happening, people realize that their supply chain is a thing, you know, food just doesn't magically show up in the, in the grocery store or at the restaurant, you know, there's a process to all this. So I think people are just coming back to local and it's um, been really good for the farm. That's good. I can imagine. Yeah. I've seen more and more farmers like small scale and large scale selling direct to consumers. There was some guy on Facebook I saw, I think in South Florida, and he had like a mile long line of cars waiting to buy produce directly from his farm. And they sold out within like a few hours. So it's kind of cool that a lot of farms are adapting to this so quickly and just selling straight to consumers. I mean, they're cutting out the middleman. So more of a profit for the farmer and cheaper produce for the consumer. So that's a win-win. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's just nice for everybody to start looking at local food and seeing the transparency of where their food comes from and just the difference between knowing your farmer and getting good food for your family. Yeah, exactly. So going off of that, what do you see as like kind of the biggest misconceptions consumers have about their food? Do you think they're getting a lot more educated about where their food comes from? Or do you see they still have some misconceptions about various like production techniques and stuff? Yeah, I would say the biggest misconception is people ask me about, you know, greenhouse versus fresh or greenhouse versus field. And for some reason, people think if it's grown in a greenhouse, it's not as fresh or it's not as quality as it would be if it was supposed to be in season like there's a farmer well there's a good amount of farmers in this area that have heated greenhouses for the winter and they grow tomatoes and stuff it's it's great produce but i think people have a different perception in their head of you know those kind of processes um and just organic too a lot of people think that just because it's organic means that it's better but you know there's a lot of things that go into organic that you can use that still is kind of sketchy in the eyes of some people. And um, it's really just knowing that supply chain. A lot of people just don't think about what is on their plate and where it came from. And me having a food and beverage background, I've always thought about that. I always have looked at a plate and whether it was me ordering the food from my distributor and thinking about, okay, it's coming from them and where this piece of steak came from or this piece of fish or, um, so I've always kind of had that supply chain in mind, but with all of this going on and people are, I think realizing, you know, food just not magically showing up, like it's coming from somewhere. And then, you know, they just think about, all these things like the factory farming and and just large scale production and what actually goes on on those um, at those places. Yeah, no, that's a very good point, and that's a cool cool little segue where you're talking about your food and beverage background and kind of you had that experience growing up. How do you think Dean's Greens is going to kind of grow in the future? Like, what are your plans there? Are you going to try to? I mean, you said you want to continue this kind of direct to consumer approach while also selling to restaurants. So, what are your like five to 10 year goals for it? Pretty much just keep amping up what I already have going. So um, like I said, I have two Caterpillar tunnels. I want to get some more of those just to keep 
long, like year round production up. And um, I have about a hundred pullets chickens right now. So they'll all be laying in July and really just keep learning and just keep getting the hang of growing throughout the year. And I also did last year, I did a couple farm camps. So I would, I had kids come out to the farm for a couple weeks throughout the year. And that was really cool to um, show them the whole process of how the farm works and um, just get them exposed to being outside and being in the garden and just watching nature really. So that's really cool. And um, I would say learning and, and, having people come out to the farm just to have knowledge of what's going on. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I, I saw on your website, your farm camps, and I think agrotourism is a huge, huge benefit. And I mean, what were some, what were some activities that the kids were doing there that you were kind of showing them where their food comes from and how that whole process is? Uh, I would have them just, we would go around the garden and I would just show them everything that I had. And each day for lunch, we would pick, things out of the garden and have those for lunch so they would see it coming from the field onto their plate and just really getting that whole process of the supply chain right there um and then we did a bunch of different things like um i showed them the beehive that i have um i have some horses and and obviously the chickens so they got to see those up close a lot of kids that live in the city never really get to see animals like that so that was pretty cool and um just really do a lot of nature walks around the property and just do tr uh tree identification and different wildlife that we saw so just to get their brains working about what's outside so yeah that's that's so cool did you have any like aha moments from the kids to where they saw something and they like all really clicked to them for a moment yeah um this one kid i had a bunch of okra growing and he was looking at the okra and he was like what is this and i said that's okra and he said oh it doesn't grow in little balls like fried okra <laughs> i'm like oh my gosh like no that's <laughs> that's that's the whole point so he, he kind of had that click like oh okay like it's something before it's on my plate like there's a process to all of this so that was pretty pretty cool that's awesome yeah i mean just sometimes just the honesty of kids where they say oh like fried okra doesn't grow like this like there's another <laughs> step that's so funny that's awesome uh, so before we end i know the whole ag industry is kind of trying to change and be more sustainable more regenerative and you've got a really cool operation where that's what you're focusing on so how do you think kind of sustainable agriculture and regenerative production methods kind of help the industry as a whole like not only provide enough food, but provide it in kind of more sustainable manners. It's really all about soil health and soil biology and just keeping the land that we're living on healthy and healthy soil is going to produce healthy produce for your family and for your community. And having more small farmers makes that possible because anytime you scale up you're gonna lose some kind of quality control, I feel like. So if you can have a bunch of farmers growing intensively on an acre or an acre and a half, it's gonna be a lot easier to manage that 
soil health than if you had one farmer, you know, farming 5,000 acres of monoculture or anything like that. So regenerative out of regenerative agriculture really is just going to bring back the health to the soil that we need. There you go. Yeah. The more and more I'm like interviewing more farmers and ranchers, soil always comes up, whether it's kind of doing things like new carbon sequestration techniques or just paying attention to soil health, it kind of all starts and ends with the soil. So that's all really good advice. Well, Dean, well, or, well, well, Nick, Dean's Greens, this has been so cool. Uh, if people want to follow you and follow Dean's Greens to kind of see what you're, what you're up to, and if they're in North Carolina, where can they go to kind of follow you guys? You can go on social media, Facebook or Instagram at Dean's Greens NC, or you can go to the website, deansgreensnc.com. And if you're local, you can contact me for your own produce box. And after all of this COVID-19, you could come out and check the farm out as well. well. There you go. Yeah, well, I hope this COVID stuff passes real soon and you'll be back to business as usual doing delivering to restaurants and continuing the consumer. So that's cool that you're taking advantage of it and kind of growing your business model. Well, thanks for being on. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Appreciate it. Good talking to you.